Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find teachings, sermons, discussions, and additional content all related to what's going on here at Trinity. Trinity Galewood is located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago, and we meet Sundays bi-weekly at 10.30 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. All right, would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you that you are a God who works amongst your people and the messiness of, of your people. Uh, Lord, we are reminded how dependent we are of, on you. And I pray today, Lord, as we dive into your word, as we look again at, at the power of your word, may we never forget how, how much we are in need of your presence. It's all in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> I, I've come to see that, that we, as people, are more connected than we think. For, for whatever reason, in American society, I think that uh, we like our independence. We like our American freedom. We hold on to phrases of picking ourselves up by our own bootstraps. And I think we like independence because it's part of our narrative and story. We like to pride ourselves when, when things go well that, hey, this is on my shoulders. And sometimes we even condemn ourselves when things don't go well, that it's all on my shoulders. And, and I think it becomes an illusion for us as people to think that everything is just on us. That we forget how really dependent we are on others. For example, the clothes that you are wearing today. Chances are you might pride yourself in that you like earn the clothes that you are wearing, right? That you went and purchased them with your hard-earned money from the job that you were working. But the reality is that you are so dependent upon others to get those clothes from somebody else. Because the chance of you actually making them is very slim, I'd be willing to bet. In fact, I don't even know how clothes are made. That's how dependent I am on somebody else. The food that we eat... I was just in uh, Washington, Seattle, Washington, a couple weeks ago. My uncle sells apples. That's what he does for a living. And he was informing me that 60% of apples come from the state of Washington. Now, to me, I'm like, dude, they just come from fresh time, right? (laughs) Just go down the road. No, I'm dependent upon people. I'm not so independent, the education that we have. I mean, you don't just go out into a field, like think for a while, and then learn stuff. No, we're dependent upon other people to receive knowledge, to learn from others' mistakes, and quite frankly, maybe to learn some bad things in the process as well. And the jobs that we possess... The callings that we have, our vocation, what God has given us to do, we are dependent upon other people. It's not just independence. And so for us as people, 
We are dependent creatures relying on others to live and move and have our being. And the danger that comes when we only think that we're independent is that we take this mindset with our relationship with God. Now, yes, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are like a snowflake, all right? You're beautiful, an individual. I get that, all right? I'm not denying God's individual love for you. But in the process of that, we can forget how connected we are to other people and how God works in this world. For some of us, we treat our faith like, uh, like we're more like a Buddhist, meaning that it's just my relationship with God and I do whatever it takes to get to the next level. Because we say statements like, it doesn't matter what you do as long as it doesn't harm me. And the Bible would say that that theology, that understanding doesn't really make sense. Because what God insists on doing, we've said this before, he insists on wrapping his love in the messiness of flesh and blood. That's a powerful statement. He insists on wrapping himself in the messiness of flesh and blood. This is how the Christian God works. Messy and all. And today, we are finishing this series in Romans. As we had just said, Paul is the author of the book of Romans. He was a real person that was writing to a real group of Christian people. And we are towards the end of his letter. Like any letter, there's the introduction, you have your statement of beliefs and what you're uh, trying to say, and now Paul is at the conclusion. So if you are new here today, good, you're at the very end, all right? There's a lot to catch up on, you can read the book of Romans, it'll be okay, all right? But towards the end of his letter, Paul is wrapping up this exhaustive letter, And he has this final charge to the people, the Christians in Rome. Uh, Notice what he says here. He says in verse 14, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all the knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points, I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder. Paul's words here, he's uh, encouraging the people that they knew some things about the faith. And in fact, I love this statement. He says, by way of reminder, Paul is reminding the Roman Christians of something that they may have already known. And I think this has to be true for the church here today. Like, it's important for us that we kind of remind each other of the truths that God has established. There are going to be things that I'm going to say that you're going to be like, yeah, duh, I know that. But it's important that we continue to remind one another of these truths. We don't just say it one time and then you get it. No, we need to be in reminder over and over and over again. And Paul, in this book, is reminding the Romans that that they shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel. 
the good news of Jesus because it is the power of salvation that God brings, even when it's offensive. He reminds them that all have fallen short of what God requires. We are in need of salvation. This is from Romans chapter 3. He reminds them that suffering will come in this world. But suffering brings this chain reaction of perseverance, character, and hope. And while we should never desire for suffering, we should never forget that God is present in our suffering as well. We're reminded that God has brought us in. He's adopted us into the family. And I love that word. He's adopted us in. That we are not outsiders. We are now a part of the family called sons and daughters by his spirit received through our baptism. That he reminds them that you are called to be a living sacrifice for others with the gifts that God has given you, not to just serve yourself, but to serve the mission. And we also are reminded that we are, as people, under authority. Ultimately, God, but God establishes people in this realm as well, that we are called to be under authority to. These are reminders for the Romans the reminders for us in the church today, and the reminders that we need to keep saying over and over and over again. But then Paul here slips something in really quick. He says this in Romans 15, 15. Because of the grace given me by God. Because of the grace given me by God. Say this with me. Because of the grace given me by God. It's a short fragment, short statement. Because of the grace given me by God. That grace is a heavy word for Paul. It's a heavy word for you and me. It's a statement that is thrown in there as a reminder of why he is doing what he is doing. When we see that word, it it reminds us of the cross at Calvary. It reminds us of Jesus' death and resurrection, a historical event that has happened because Jesus rose again from the dead, because of the grace that was delivered by God that moves us and drives us to do some things, to put us into tough situations, to invite us into moving forward. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, We receive grace, and it reminds us of how God insists on working in the messiness of flesh and blood by his death and resurrection. And I love this phrase. I just read it this morning. It's it's simply this, that grace sticks to imperfection. Grace sticks to imperfection. If there is not any wrong, there is no need of grace. But Paul is acknowledging that we are in need of 
grace. But it's because of that grace, Paul is called to go out to the Gentiles. Gentiles is a fancy word for all nations, all people. Paul, being this first missionary, would go out and share this good news because of the grace that was given to him. And, and for me, uh, it, it kind of makes it important to understand that this grace word for Paul is a heavy word. It means a ton. I mean, whatever you fill in this blank with is a heavy word. Uh, because of love, I have done some really stupid things in my life. Can somebody say amen to that? It's a heavy word. Because of love, I've said and done some things I look back like, gosh, did I really do that? That was really stupid. Because of fear. Fear can be a heavy word that keeps us away from doing what we're supposed to do. Like, I'm not going to go back to that store anymore because I might run into that person that I said something really stupid because of love. Because of pride. I cling on to the trophies of the past. Even though they're small, I make them much bigger in my life. Or I don't offer forgiveness to those who have harmed me because of pride. Because of grace, Paul says here. It's a heavy word. It means something to him. It drives and pushes him forward. I think of, in my own life, because of grace, there was uh, this guy who was a sophomore in college when I was in middle school. His name was Caleb Johnson. I was living in uh, Minnesota at the time, and my parents made me go to this thing called Confirmation. And I hated every moment of it, and I always just went to find a new girlfriend. <laughs> and I remember sitting in a small group, and because of grace, Caleb was one who spoke about his faith. And it just spurred something in my life. I think of because of grace, a guy named uh, Pastor Doug Eberkowski in Winona, Minnesota, when I was a sophomore in college, and maybe you've heard me share this story before, when I was in the midst of just really struggling to know what's my purpose and identity, and I was really just messing up in many ways, had to do some community service, and for whatever reason, I went to a church. And because of grace, Pastor Doug sat in, 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 in his office and he said, what are you doing here? And I said, I need to do some community service hours. He said, great, our janitor will be pumped. There's plenty to do around the church. But because of grace, what if every time you came in, we just sat and talked about life? Because of grace, it drives and pushes people to lengths and extremes where God continues to work. It's wrapped in the messiness of flesh and blood. But I also recognize this. Because God chooses to work through grace, 
and it's wrapped in the messiness of flesh and blood. He also works through some imperfect people. And while you might hear that, hey, that's really cool for you, Pastor Guy, like really excited that people were there for you to push you closer to God, there have been Christians in my life who have pushed me further away from God. And I recognize that there are people that show up every single Sunday morning and are the most judgmental and least humble people. And if that's you today, if you've had that experience in church, number one, I just want to say I am honored that you even walk through these doors today. The fact that you took the courage to step into this place here is a huge step. And my prayer for you has been that you would experience grace here instead of condemnation. That you would experience joy instead of judgment. Love instead of hate. And truth over the cultural norm. Would somebody please say amen to that? That this community of people desires for you to experience the true grace that comes through Jesus as it works in the messiness of flesh and blood. See, grace is not easy. It's really messy. And it works really well when it's messy. And when it does not work well, it's messy. And that statement doesn't even make sense because it's messy. That's how grace is. And it's because of the grace that Paul had this calling to keep going. This was his ambition. Notice here, he continues in verse 20. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. This word here, ambition, is just a beautiful word. He says, it's my calling, it's my ambition, it's what wakes me up every single morning to keep moving forward. I mean, Paul just got done writing a letter to the Romans in the all-time best-selling book. Normally, it's time to retire after that, all right? But he says, no, I'm going to keep going because this is my ambition, to keep pressing forward. It reminds me of the movie, maybe you've seen this one, uh, uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Anybody seen this movie before? It's a war movie, came out more recently. It's a story of a guy named uh, Desmond Doss, who was a combat, combat medic. I struggled saying that when I was practicing this, all right? He was a combat medic in World War II. He was a Christian, and uh, He was a pacifist, so he uh, would not carry a weapon, which is not good in war, all right? But uh, he became a medic in World War II. And in the movie, uh, it's definitely worth checking out, the the final one, the climactic scene of this movie is uh, when the American soldiers were defeated in this battle. And the smoke was clearing, uh, and many people had died from his infantry, And Hacksaw Ridge, Desmond Doss, uh, knew that it was his ambition, his calling to go and rescue those who had just been wounded. 
And if you've seen this movie before, the, the producers did an incredible job of displaying just this kind of ambition to keep going back. And one by one, he kept going back, putting his own life in danger. I mean, he would place these soldiers on his shoulders and go into this enemy territory, dodging bullets all over the place with no weapon of his own, bringing them back more and more and more. This is the ambition that Paul is talking about. This ambition that he has so that more would see and hear about the grace that drives and motivates him. When you came into church today, uh, you received a couple things. You received that worship sheet that is being used as a fan right now, but you also received a tiny little card, and it's an invite card, one that we understand as a group of people that our hope and ambition would be that more people would know about the grace of Jesus, about the good news of who he is the weighty word that is grace and the messiness that comes with that. But I get it. The second you maybe saw an invite card, you're like, hold on, pastor. I'm no Hacksaw Ridge. I certainly ain't no Paul the Apostle. And I'm definitely not a pastor. Like, how... How in the world are you expecting me? Like God, you want God to use me so that somebody could understand grace. Like I'm cool with my my crew. Do I need somebody more? And I, I get that. I get that that in and of itself might be the reason that you just dislike Christianity because it involves maybe like sharing that with other people. That's a, that's a real fear, and I'm not like being sarcastic or trying to minimize that, because I experienced that as well. I, when I was in Arkansas for a year doing a training to become a pastor, I was put at this large church in Hot Springs, Arkansas, uh, and, and I was so excited to get up there and preach and just do all the fun pastor stuff. And And I show up for the first day on the job and my supervising pastor comes with a stack of invite cards, 50 of them. And he places them on my desk and he says, Dave, by the end of the week, you have to hand out all 50 of these invite cards. And in my mind, I thought, this guy's crazy. Two, I don't I've never invited 50 people to church in my life. Like, like it was an incredibly crippling moment. Some of you might be thinking like, dude, you're just not smart. You could have just like thrown him away and he never would have known. You could have lied about it and it would have been good, right? Well, here's the kicker. I had an Excel spreadsheet that I had to fill out and I had to put a name and when that conversation happened and it had to be in his inbox on Monday morning. And because of that, it worked so efficiently, we've decided that we are going to create an inbox, an Excel spreadsheet where, no, we're not going to do that to you, all right? But, but it was a crippling thing, if I were to be 100% honest. I get that fear. I understand. 
how challenging it can be. I've been in the room before where it goes around the circle, so what do you do? And then I have to go. Well, I'm a pastor. I get that. I get that as we live in a world that seeks to not talk about faith and religion, it is awkward, it is messy, it doesn't always feel great. But in those moments, I, I want to remind us, or rather I found this actually kind of helpful, that we need to remind ourselves of the grace that God has given us and remind ourselves of that this is news that's worth sharing. Uh, this, these two magicians here, uh, maybe you've seen them before, Penn and Teller. Anybody seen them before? They're kind of famous magicians. And uh, the guy on the left is Penn with the glasses and the sweet goatee. And uh, a couple uh, years ago, he put out a video that was really interesting. They are both atheists. They do not believe in God. And uh, what Penn went on this video to go and say is, he said this. He said, I have no problem with people sharing their faith. He said, um, how much do you have to hate someone to let them spend eternity from God? Like, if you believe what you are saying and you don't want to share that with somebody, how much do you have to hate them to not share that? He goes on to say that it would be like um, watching somebody run into the middle of the street and lay down on the ground and you stand there and do nothing. How much do you have to hate somebody to not let them in on the good news of grace? And, And when I hear that statement, that's really convicting for me. Because I don't want to minimize the fact that it's, it's challenging and can be awkward. I get that. And it's all the more reason to be connected into a community of believers that are encouraging you to do that. This church didn't start just by putting a welcome sign out front and hoping that people showed up. People were invited into this place. You came here because somebody asked you to come. But at the same time, may we never forget that the mission is because of grace that we get to share this good news with others as well. It's not just for ourselves, it's for others too. Jesus would say these words in Matthew chapter 5. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? The metaphor that Jesus uses here of salt, I think, is just profound. Somebody told me this this last week. They said, you know, salt in and of itself does not have its own taste. The purpose of salt is that it brings out the taste of the thing that it is salting, if that's a correct term. The food that is there, the salt is put on that to bring out the flavor of what it is salting. That term to salt to taste means you put enough salt on something so that it brings out the natural flavor of that food. And Jesus says, 
thousands of years ago, you are the salt of the earth. I believe what he's getting at here is that you and I are called to bring out that flavor, not just of the earth, but of the good news of the God who created everything. Amen? That we're called to bring that out, to break that down, to keep putting some more salt on it. It takes time. It's not easy. The job isn't done when somebody shows up on a Sunday morning or when you just hand them a card. It keeps happening and going over and over. But you, the church, the people are the salt of the earth. And you have a mission to go. And Paul himself has this mission to keep going. And he finishes his letter by telling the Romans, I'm going to keep going. And today he tells us as well, church, you have a mission too. To keep going forward. To endure the long sermon in the humid weather. To keep going forward. But my hope and promise is this. It's because of grace. Remember, you are connected. We are dependent people, loved individually by God, but more than anything, we are dependent, connected to Christ and His grace. It's because of that grace that we're called to go, but also that we're loved for eternity. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your gift of grace. God, it, it is incredibly messy. And Lord, I just, I pray that as a small church that's just trying to honor and be faithful to your mission, may we just be people too that, that just share the goodness of what you've done. May we never forfeit our dependence upon you, your cross, and your resurrection. But may we never forfeit the opportunity to just share the goodness of what you have done. God, I'm thankful that you work in in the messiness of flesh and blood, that you work through people, but that you also work despite us as well. May we be encouraged and challenged as Paul continues to challenge us today. And may we be equipped by your spirit to go. It's in your name we pray. Amen.